This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Cause we're gonna be Everybody, it's Gary Vaynerchuk. A very special edition of the podcast uh, for for me. As many of you have been listening to the hundreds and hundreds of episodes, this is not something I normally do. So, breaking the patterns, which is always fun—a big resolution for me in nineteen. But more importantly, talking about things that I believe in with people I believe in is also a big, uh, uh, exciting point for me. Over the last decade, a lot of you know, running Vayner Media, I've met a ton of marketers. Uh, from a ton of companies, uh, hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands and thousands. And the two guests I have with me right now uh, excite me to, to, to the end because I know them both pretty well. I've had the for, uh, luxury of working with them, currently working with them. Uh, I'm going to let them introduce themselves to the audience in a little bit. And what we're going to talk about is something that a lot of people who follow me know that I care quite a bit about, which is I believe the greatest ad buy in the world right now is the American Super Bowl spot. And, uh, and these two have something to say about it. I have a couple of questions, but first let's get into intros. Um, Jen, why don't you start? Why don't you, why don't you tell everybody here uh, who's listening who you are and what you do, and then we'll get into Greg, and then we'll take it from there. Absolutely. So my name is Jennifer Sines, and I have the pleasure of leading the Frito-Lay uh, business in marketing. So I'm the chief marketing officer at Frito-Lay in North America. Thank you. And Greg? Hey, I'm Greg Lyons. I'm the Chief Marketing Officer for PepsiCo's Beverage Unit in North America. Nice I to appreciate be with it, you, Gary. Thank you, Greg. So, Jen, Greg, as we're getting ready for Super Bowl, um, why don't we set up a little context on the current, and then I'll go backwards, and then we'll dive back into the current. Uh, why don't you tell the audience what, if any, plans you have for your brands in this year's Super Bowl? Jen? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Super Bowl is such an important day for us as PepsiCo, just to grab consumers' attention. It's a day where everybody's coming together, whether the team is winning or losing, that they're cheering for, they're always enjoying awesome snacks and beverages, which is a great thing for us, really enjoying the ads um, and the halftime show and everything that goes along with that. This year on the snack side, we have a 30-second spot for our Doritos brand, so the brand that we traditionally have in the Super Bowl, so really looking forward to that. I was going to ask about that, Jen. Do you, do you know off the top of your head how many years in a row this is or any kind of context that I'm sure everybody listening has a sense? It seems like it's been a while now that Doritos have been making noise. Do you, do you have a sense of that? Yeah, so we've um, this will be uh, two years for Doritos following 10 years of, of Crash the Super Bowl on Doritos, so a total of, of 12 years uh, on the Super Bowl with wow. our Doritos brand. Wow. And Greg, on, on the beverage side? Yeah, we've got a couple of things going on, Gary. Uh, first, um, brand Pepsi. Um, mm-hmm. Pepsi's been the most talked about, as you know, has been the most talked mm-hmm. about brand on Twitter for the past couple of years during the Super Bowl. And so we hope yep. and expect that that will be the case again this year. Um, and we're doing two things. we got a terrific ad. Um, and we also... Which has been previewed already at this point, right, Greg? Yeah, we... Uh, there's, there's a ton of morning. buzz on it already. Yeah, I mean, like literally... You know, this is the beauty. For everybody who's listening, I'm literally uh, just landed in Chicago, huge snowstorm here. But one of the benefits of being stuck on the runway and at the airport is when your complete schedule gets blown up for somebody who's programmed every minute like I am, it opens up some consuming time, which is rare for me. And this morning, 
just a ton of activity around Cardi and um, and and the Pepsi brand. So I, I figured you had either just dropped it, um, which excites me. And so is is the building like a, is the early feedback uh, internally excited about the preview? Yeah. Uh, well, it's not just the preview. We launched the teasers a couple of days ago, but we launched the spot this morning. And um, understood. It's got Steve. It's got Steve Carell, Cardi B, mm-hmm. like you said, and Little John in it. And uh, it's a real fun spot. It takes place in an Atlanta diner that serves Pepsi, and someone orders the other cola there. And so we had lots of fun celebrating how great Pepsi is uh, uh, with all of our friends. Jen, Jen so, Greg, for you. For, yeah, go ahead, Greg. Go ahead. Please. I was just going to say, and so we've got the ad, which is going to be great. Um, and we're excited to get all the buzz around it that started today. But uh, we're also going to be doing the halftime show, as we've done for the past few years. And as you know, that's Maroon 5, Travis Scott, and Big Boy uh, from Atlanta. And that, uh, you said the Super Bowl ad is the best buy you can do. I feel great about the halftime show sponsorship. That's 12 and a half minutes of sports and entertainment's biggest moment in the year. And uh, Pepsi integral to that is the Let's dig into that. Let's dig into that for a second. Because one of the the reasons when uh, PepsiCo reached out, you know, as everybody who's listening right now, like I don't do a whole lot with my business clients from a Gary Vee perspective. You guys know me in business meetings and things of that nature. So this is a lot of fun for me because, A, I like you guys, which clearly is why I said yes. But, B, one of the things I enjoy about both of you is the conversations we've had. I think there's a level of conversation I have with different individuals that runs the gamut. And I, and I, and I thought it would be fun. I, I think this is a very interesting – I'd love to get your point, point on this, Greg. I think – What's so amazing about the Super Bowl spot is the brands and the spot is the attention. I recognize the length of time that the show, the halftime show has, and I, and I see you making a point of like, hey, I think this is a real good business decision for us. But mm. for me, and, and, and jump in here, I mean, and, you know, again, you know me too, so feel very comfortable. This is a, a la us in the lunchroom at, in purchase. For me, what's interesting about that is I think the acts, get the attention more than the brand of the halftime show, right? And so th- that's what's so remarkable about the Super Bowl spot. A couple of things, I, I'm going to throw a couple of things. One, I want to get both of your perspectives on the change that now we release the commercial on, you know, on the internet or in culture before the Super Bowl, which is something none of the three of us saw a decade ago in our careers and, and, and as people that consumed. And then two, just real quick, right, your thought on that. Do you, do you see where I'm going with, sponsorship versus being the star of it or do you feel great about the way the nfl allows you to integrate into that 12 minutes hey it's a good question and i'd say part of it depends on the brand gary if it were a brand that has nothing to do with pop culture and has no heritage in music and uh, like Pepsi does mm-hmm. and is, is doing it as a one-off, like I think DirecTV mm-hmm. maybe used to do it, mm-hmm. then I'm with you. Then it gets overshadowed. Mm-hmm. But it's no coincidence that every year that Pepsi has sponsored the halftime show, it's the number one brand on Twitter during the game. That has a lot to do with the halftime show. And I, everyone Greg, wants you... to talk about that. And it's known now as the Pepsi halftime show. So, and, do, and, do you, and do you feel that that, that – at the most macro scale, to your point, reinforces what you're able to do the rest of the year and just kind of cements the brand in pop culture? 
Yeah, I do think it really helps. Yeah. I mean, it is a, pop culture's biggest moment. And no, no question. More, there's no question. not one music performance that more people are going to watch at all during the year yeah. and have Pepsi to be part of that and bring it to you. And then obviously we can uh, integrate that in a lot of other things. One of the things that's so great about the Super Bowl when Jen and I get together on it is if you ever go in store, there's all mm -hmm. of these displays, right? So we have 65,000 displays of snacks and beverages throughout the NFL that's season. Good. And so um, it's not just that 12 and a half minutes. It's what you can do in the 30 seconds. It's what you can do outside of it as well. Um, and, and, and to oh, that point, okay. Jen, how do you, you know, one of the things that I enjoy in, in the conversations we've had is it's business talk more so than ideological, subjective, creative talk, which I always felt, you know, for at least for me is like, okay, this is somebody I want to do more business with. How, how do you think about the business part of all of this? Obviously, um, you know, all three of us as people that believe in brand, there is clearly residuals from all brand behavior. Measuring brand has always been a, a pickle but specifically for Super Bowl, obviously you have this, you have this big job in, in this snack category. Do you think about it from uh, how am I going to measure my investment here? Or back to, and, and Greg kind of gave us the preview, one of the things I wanted to bring up, but I appreciate, Greg, that you brought it up, is for a lot of people who are listening, I think they underestimate what happens at the retail level where these products sell. So, for, Jen, for you, when you synthesize the business impact, how do you think about that? Yeah, I think um, the business impact is is just it's an awesome side of what we think about in the Super Bowl. I think when you when you say we have that 12 year history on Doritos of of thinking about the Super Bowl and how do you get the most investment out of it, a lot of it comes from the statement you made uh, a bit earlier, Gary, around the spots are actually released in advance, which is so different mm -hmm. than it was so five different. ten years ago. It was a big shock and awe. Now we release them in advance. We have teasers. We actually have this amazing story that unfolds leading into the Super Bowl to get this momentum, to get this excitement, have those conversations build and build leading into it. And that helps uh, as you're thinking through the investment and, and the return that you're, you're getting for it. Um, it also helps. Um, with our consumers engaging in, in the brand and feeling like they're part of the, the backstory and, um, and that we're letting them in on, on a secret. So there's, there's a bit of a business side of it that um, we were trying to make the most of. It's, it's not the most, uh, you know, the, the prices are, are a bit high for those, <laughs> those spots, so we want to make sure that, um, that we get an amazing return. I think the audience piece that Greg is touching on is incredibly important for our brands. We have you know, mass brands that, that really do touch on pop culture, this is probably the biggest moment of the year to, to tap into them. So for us, it's an equation. That's, it's an expensive equation, but I think we've also learned over the years how to, how to really create a great return with it as well. Yeah, can I just add two United things to that? Yeah, please, Gary. of course. And real quick so, before you do, I just want to add to everybody who's listening, I'm, uh, I'm running around now. I had to get out of my quiet spot, so... Uh, uh, I apologize for any of the uh, audio change, but since everybody who's listening is my community, they know that that is not at the forefront anyway. So go ahead, Greg. It wouldn't be you if you weren't running around, Gary. That's um, for sure. So the, the two things I want to add is Jen and I very carefully measure the ROI of every marketing investment we do, especially the massive ones like Super Bowl. And so we uh, we know quantitatively that it's a good investment for our business. And I, to the point I made earlier, I think that 
that might not be the case for every single brand. But if you think about our brands, you've got people enjoying our products, both the, the beverages and the snacks, while they watch the game. You have people having shopping for our products before the game to have their Super Bowl parties. You've well, got a whole entire... It's an, it's an important point, Greg, and I apologize to jump in. It's actually a very important yeah. point. I think the previewing of these spots has actually been a huge... To your point, unlike an insurance company or a BMW or whatever we may throw out, there's a level of practicality and a direct correlation to exactly what's happening in this moment, which probably disproportionately makes the investment uh, a wise one. I think what's even more intriguing is one could argue the fact that we now allow these spots to come out three, four, five, seven days before the game and just the sheer consumption of all that awareness. Now you're talking about influencing that purchase and reinforcing that end cap at a Walmart or an Albertsons or Safeway something that your contemporaries, or let me rephrase, the people that held your jobs 15 years ago didn't get the benefit of when we would unveil it during the game. That's right. So uh, we measure it, obviously, from a, a sales and a consumer standpoint, but there's also our front line. So we have tens of thousands of employees that deliver our mm -hmm. store, our products to stores every day, and they get fired up when they see us on the Super Bowl. And we also have big customers um, that sell our products sure. that we want to reinforce that we're serious about getting our products uh, out in front of their shoppers. And so it's a multiplier effect for us. And uh, when we Jen, do it together, it, it works even better. Jen, uh, on that note, to try to contextualize this for my audience and where this gets shared, you've got a lot of entrepreneurs and small businesses, ones that will um, you know, not get to the place where they're going to spend the kind of money to have a Super Bowl spot. What can the person that spends $1 to $10 million a year in marketing learn contextually or theoretically from what you guys are doing here, if anything comes to mind? Uh, I think a lot of it is about storytelling, quite frankly, and I think the, the modern approach that we have to unveiling these Super Bowl ads, the teasers, understanding what's going to capture people's attention, what's going to create buzz, I think it becomes even more important uh, when you have lower budgets um, within marketing to tap into those mm -hmm. just natural currents of conversation, and that's what we try to do with with these Super Bowl ads, is what are the things that are going to capture our audience's attention. We know very deeply what our uh, our Doritos audience knows and loves. And, and so we try to tap into each one of those things as we create these ideas. But I think ultimately it goes back to making sure you understand the tone of your brand. What's, what does the audience want to hear about? How do we keep them um, really interested and intrigued to give them something that they've never seen before from from the brand. So I think as long as they're interested in story and interested in in the behavior of their audience, they'll be able to crack an amazing creative idea that'll keep them interested. Love it, Greg. From your perspective on that. Yeah, I agree. Now, uh, what's different is that Jen and I have big budgets, so we can pay celebrities, which is a really easy way to cut through. But to Jen's point, what's going to take, what's going to make the difference for your entrepreneurs that uh, are all following you is to do, to come up with an idea that is so interesting that it absolutely is going to cut through and generate the buzz that people are going to want to stop 
and pay attention to either because it's funny or because it's shocking Mm -hmm. or because Mm -hmm. but it's got to be within the right tone of what your brand's all about and uh, I, I feel like we've done that with all three of the, the spots that we've the got spot. this year. Um, uh, and But good. they all do have celebrities in them, and so they're just going to have to use a different tactic than, than we've used. All Makes of them have, and, 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 have interesting and been, creative you, ideas, though. And, and a lot of them are using influencers and things of that nature, which is their version of that. On, on, yeah. the, on the note of the audience, one of the fastest-growing audiences I have is – emerging first, second year associate brand managers entering CPG. Given the way my career has gone and given the influx of direct-to-consumer brands and all the disruption in CPG land uh, over the last year, um, it's very obvious to me and my team um, how many year one to year three Fortune 500 CPG audience I have. Both of you have hit, um, you know, a career goal for many of the people I get DMs and emails and, and especially on LinkedIn, the things, you know, just, just an enormous amount of, Hey Gary, from what you know, how do I become a CMO of, you know, Procter and Gamble or, you know, Nestle's or things of that nature, which, you know, and both of you know me, like, since I'm not the most from the system, it's a funny question to be asking of me. Um, but, uh, but I think I want to take advantage of this. Uh, you guys have had the kind of careers that have allowed you to get to kind of, you know, way up there. I mean, for anybody who's real startup land and doesn't understand, these two are holding the plum, you know, two of the hundred plum jobs in marketing. For the people who are listening, and by the way, just to give you two contexts, because I know you know me in one vein, there there are thousands, if not tens of thousands of ABMs across the globe listening right now. What, what do you, what do you attribute your ability to hold a CMO spot in one of the biggest brands in the world today? What, what, and to try to really help them because that's my selfish point of having you guys on, you know, how has that changed or what's the contextual advice of 2019 if you're in year two at Kraft or CBS or Starbucks or, you know, or Georgia Pacific. Jen. So I'll start. Um, I think um, my philosophy at least, and I think a few of the, the characteristics that I think are quite helpful in this position, the first would be, I think, just remain human-centric in the work that you do. Uh, know who it is um, that's in your audience. Really empathize with them. Try to get to know them very deeply, not just what their behaviors are, but what are their values? What are their moods? What are their emotions? How do, how do you understand what they're happy with, but also what makes them vulnerable, and, and, and I think the, the deeper understanding that you have and connection that you have with humans um, and, and that love your brand, the easier it becomes to know what are those um, creative ideas, to Greg's point, that will break through to them, that they'll care about, that they'll actually want to mm-hmm. um, engage with very deeply. And I think as a brand, you need to, you need to make sure that any brand that you're working on you understand what the DNA is of that brand. What, what do they stand for uniquely? I think each and every brand in the world um, that, that has a, a worth really has to stand for something out in the world. And in the case of Doritos, you know, we often talk about the fact that it stands uh, for the idea that there's nothing bolder than being yourself. And so all of our creative ideas flow through that filter, and, and it resonates very deeply with our audience. Um, so I think if you're, if you're human-centric, you stand for something, and, and I think that if you're willing to stand out on a limb and take a risk for an idea that you believe uh, holds true, 
with that audience and is going to progress that brand narrative forward. That's ultimately what you strive for. And I think you would see a common thread of, um, you know, those, those ideas that you're going out on a limb for, um, uh, for both Greg and I, uh, when you look at our backgrounds. Greg? Greg, your thoughts? Yeah, I'll just say a similar thought in a slightly different words. So um, it's a, a phrase that people use a lot, but uh, I'll I'll say what it means a little bit deeper. So the concept is people first. And so you got to be human-centric, like Jen said, and really understand the people that eat and drink your products or consume your products. Then you need to inspire them. You need to, once you get that deep level understanding, you got to come up with stuff whether it's innovation or content that really inspires them, that makes them feel something about your brand or product. And then you got to value them. Um, really show, doing the little things as a brand that really shows what, that your brand uh, cares about the people that's uh, consuming it. That's what's made uh, me successful in my past. But the, the key is, those three things of understanding, inspiring, and valuing, that works internally, too. You need to understand the people you work with. Get to know them on a personal level. Get to, like, care about them. Really understand them as human beings. What about, what about, on, like? the, what, what about on the way up, guys? Like, how much do you feel that people need to really assess the DNA of that organization and what flies and doesn't? You know, like, for example... Three of us know each other pretty well. You know, I'm not so sold that I would have done well, uh, as well as you guys in that game, whereas entrepreneurship, where the market speaks, probably suited me. How much, how much do you see, like, you know, like from a practical stand, standpoint, like, you know, there's a lot of politics in big companies. Um, you know, do you think that, you know, is there anything from, like, ideology? Should they be self-aware? or Should they be scared to leave if they're like, oh, crap, this is not the DNA of the company for me or my mentor or the person above me clearly is not a fit for me. Like real life stuff that like, you know, I, I think everything you said is right. I'm just thinking about the 26 year old out of B school who's in year two at Rickert or Crayola. And you know, like, is, is there anything you see where I'm going, Greg? Like, is there anything that really stood out in those first three to five years that started to give you the opportunity to inspire somebody? Because when you're, fifth man, fifth woman on the team, and you're trying to, you know, win and eventually hold that top spot, there, there's some different stuff going on in those first two to four years. Yeah, absolutely. I think you can tell pretty quickly if the culture of the company is right for you or not, and you enjoy the people that you're working with, and that you feel valued working there or not. And so if you're not, Get out as soon as you can. Don't force it <laughs> because um, there's lots of different places where you'll feel a perfect fit. I agree, Gary. I think you'd struggle a little bit here, and I think I'd probably <laughs> struggle being as much of an entrepreneur as you were. We're just wired differently, and, you know, we're 100%. both successful in our own rights. But 100%. Um, I don't think you um, – I, I think it might be difficult, and you'd have to adjust totally too agree. much of who you are and what you stand for in order to, you know, work in a big corporation. And, um, and by and the so, way, for everybody who's listening, like sometimes that's okay if you're in debt from school and things of that nature, but I do think – deploying that self-awareness. Jen, anything from your first three to five years, more like less when you were a leader, but more trying to navigate your way up? 
I think I think you guys have actually touched on it really well. I, I okay. think it's all about knowing your audience. I think it's a great lesson for marketing. I also think it's a great lesson in life. I think know the audience uh, that you're that you're catering to, and if if it's not a fit, um, I, I think people need to move on if they feel like um, there there's a, a way for them in the organization. They'll figure out how to navigate it. But I think the most critical thing for everyone to remember in their early career is. For every conversation and every interaction, do you know your audience and and how to um, make sure that you're getting your point across in a way that's going to resonate with them? So let me let me do a couple. Th- uh, let me do three things. I want to do two fun questions for each of you. But before we do that, is there anything we didn't touch on? Because I really appreciate how busy you guys are. I know it's a huge week. I want to get this out to everybody to to get everybody excited about the business learnings and the hyped up of spots. Is there anything we haven't touched on that you'd like to get across? And then I have two fun questions for each of you. Yes, please. I don't I don't think I told you about Bubbly. We're also doing a Super Bowl oh, ad on man. Bubbly. By the way, I love where you went with it. I saw a preview of it today. Uh, back to me consuming because I was stuck on the runway. Go ahead. Yeah. But I'm sorry. I th- I think you nailed that. Go ahead. Yeah, so the Bubbly, for those who don't know, is a product we launched last year, a new brand. It's a sparkling water, flavored sparkling water, and um, it's been a home run. It is well over $100 million in its first year, and um, we did a fun ad with Michael Buble this year, and I bet you can imagine what we're doing. And so we just had a fun skate with him on the Allen Show, and um, I think that that's a brand that's going to one day be a billion-dollar brand for us, and so I just wanted to... Say thanks no, for letting right. me plug that one. Of course, right. of course. So, go to the fun question. Oh. Well, I want to make sure hey, Jen so gets a, a lot of you, uh, If the weather continues to bog you down and you're in a uh, content-consuming <laughs> mode, you should uh, you <laughs> should check out uh, Tostitos Live Bowl. Uh, we are actually going to be setting an unofficial, official world record for the longest live stream of a tortilla chip bowl with our Tostitos brand. <laughs> it's going to be up over 53 hours of uh, Super Bowl 53 weekend. Um, you're going to see some a, a lot of fun people stop by that bowl and make guest appearances, but uh, it should make some for some fairly entertaining content. I love it. Well, I'm glad I did that. So now some fun stuff. Uh, you're going to have to get very real with me here. I don't know if the PR people are on. Your favorite non-PepsiCo commercial in your life of consuming Super Bowl spots. I'm going to mix it up here. I'm going with you first, Greg. A Super Bowl spot? Yep. Oh, jeez. Um, well, I, I knew think, this makes me so uh, happy right now. I'm, I'm no, buying you okay. a few seconds to fix. Go ahead. No, all good. In all uh, time, I know it. Maybe as a kid. Okay, good. Um, it was the first, it was the spot that made Super Bowl ads what Super Bowl ads are. It's the Apple spot where the woman throws the hammer through for Macintosh. I'm dating myself. None of your, none of your APMs. It's 1984. I know. Be careful. That's a long this, time ago. This, this, I was 12. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jen, how about for you? Since he took that one, I'm going to go with the uh, the Volkswagen ad where the little guy controls the force uh, um, out in the, mm-hmm. you know, with the, with the Volkswagen. Mm-hmm. I thought that was yeah. just adorable. All right, and final question. Uh, uh, what is your official – this could be very big for you two. If you actually nail the exact score of this game, I will promise you that I will make it in a very viral clip the day after. What is your official prediction for the game? 24-21 Rams. Thank you, Jen. Greg? I got 28-20 Patriots. Oh. Greg, you really love to stick it to me, huh? 
know, I mean, oh. as a Jets fan, you know how much it, my heart. Literally, I'm not in, like I don't feel well all of a sudden. Hey man, I'm a Giants <laughs> fan, so uh, while the Patriots well, listen, do poor Pepsi, you beat them twice. You've got <laughs> fair enough, guys. Yeah. I really appreciate having you guys on. Congratulations! Uh, obviously, now that I'm in the inside of this industry, I know how much work you guys have put in over the last eight weeks, uh, probably right up to the last minute. And so, I hope you guys can enjoy it with your family and business associates and different things of that nature. And I really appreciate your time. Cheers, Gary. Good Gary. catching up. Cheers. Thanks, Jen. Take care, guys. Bye bye. 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 Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Uh, Obviously, uh, very recently I announced empathywines.com. Super important to me. Probably my biggest project ever. And to be very honest, bit off a ton. Maybe more than I can chew. And so I need the community. Need to sell a lot of cases of wine. If If you drink nine bottles of wine a year, it would mean the world to me if you went to empathywines.com right now and signed up for the three pack. Obviously, if you're a wine drinker, sign up for Club Empathy, which gives you a case of each and also access to an SMS service that helps you with all your wine needs, trips to Napa, wine recommendations. You'll see it. Just go to empathywines.com, empathywines.com.